That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Die for the gay disco. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What, are there are no slurs here. Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So and the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's, what they, that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe yeah. you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Thank you, America, for standing with Israel today, tomorrow, and always. Mr. Prime Minister, um, I'm grateful to be back in Israel in this incredibly difficult moment for this nation, but in fact, for the entire world. If you'll permit me, um, personal aside, I come before you not only as the United States Secretary of State, but also as a Jew. My grandfather, Maurice Blinken, fled pogroms in Russia. My stepfather, Samuel Pizar, survived concentration camps, Auschwitz, Dachau, Majdanek. So, Prime Minister, I understand on a personal level the harrowing echoes that Hamas's massacres carry for Israeli Jews, Indeed, for Jews everywhere. 
I also come before you as a husband and father of young children. It's impossible for me to look at the photos of families killed, such as the mother, father, and three small children murdered as they sheltered in their home in kibbutz near Oz, and not think of my own children. This was just one of Hamas's countless acts of terror. In a litany of brutality and inhumanity that, yes, brings to mind the worst of ISIS. Babies slaughtered, bodies desecrated, young people. All right, that was our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. Uh, in a video that encapsulates everything that is wrong with America right now. Now, there was a time when um, if uh, the United States was perceived as a broker in the Middle East, those days are long gone, okay? Uh, I, I can give you the example of Jimmy Carter uh, bringing uh, Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat to Camp David in the 70s and brokering a peace deal between them. That has been traditionally the role of the United States of America uh, in the Middle East. Uh, those, As I said, those days are gone. They have been replaced by a man who walks up to the podium in Tel Aviv and identifies himself uh, uh, as a Jew. Uh, rather than as Secretary of the United States, uh, uh, State Department, head of the State Department of the United States of America. Even Erdogan, President Erdogan, saw this video and said, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. First of all, if you really took this thing seriously, if it really were the existential threat to Israel's existence that they're claiming that it was, Shouldn't Joe Biden be there? Why isn't Joe Biden there? It's 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 not the the foreign minister of Israel, it's the prime minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Why isn't Joe Biden there? Well, because nobody knows what Joe Biden will do in any given situation. Uh, the the nightmare I think that was going through. The, the minds of the people in the uh, State Department is what happened when he met with, uh, Biden met with Netanyahu a week ago. In the middle of this discussion, out of nowhere, Joe Biden makes the sign of the cross. I don't know. I make the sign of the cross all the time. Why is Joe Biden doing it? Is it to ward off the devil uh, that is sitting next to him? I don't know. And the State Department doesn't know. And so what they have to do is bring in Tony Blinken, uh, who is capable, okay, of talking to other Jews. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing that he's capable of doing. Anytime he tries to talk to someone other than a fellow Jew, he uh, everything falls apart. He doesn't get where he wants to go. 
uh, an example was going to China simply to work out some type of deal about sharing intelligence. They hardly even met him at the airport. Nobody took him seriously, and he flew back with empty hands. The situation is so bad with this guy, they had to get another Jew to fly to China to see uh, Chucky Schumer, the senator from uh, New York, to see if they could work out a deal to limit the spread of fentanyl. So, uh, but the one thing you can count on is that Anthony Blinken will mention that he has relatives who died in the Holocaust. This is the only thing he's capable of saying. And it's sure to get a positive response when you say it in Israel. And then just to make sure that he understands, uh, uh, everybody understands him, he starts naming uh, some of those relatives. Actually, these are the ones who survived the Holocaust. He mentions Samuel Pizar. First of all, he mentions his grandfather. Uh, all of the Jews now who are in support of the war in Ukraine all have memories of granddad talking about the Cossacks and the pogroms. And that's why we're at war with the Ukraine, uh, with Russia right now. But then he goes on to say, he mentioned Samuel Pizar. Well, uh, we all know about Samuel Pizar, don't we? Because I did an article on it. It's a chapter in my book, The Holocaust Narrative. And uh, uh, it unfortunately could not have happened. For those of you who have been following this, uh, Blinken claims that Samuel Pizar was rescued from a village called Penzing, which is southwest uh, of Dachau, by the uh, 761st All Black Tank Battalion. It's a moving story. Uh, the Pizar hears the tank. Uh, he, he he sees it. It's got a white star. It's not a Nazi tank. He rushes out and says the only three words in, in English, God bless America. And then the tank opens up and a black guy pulls up, uh, Pizar up into the tank, into America and into freedom. It's a touching story, but it's not true. It cannot be true because the 761st was never at that point, uh, never near Dachau. They tried to say that the 761st rescued all of the inmates in Dachau, all of whom are now Jews as opposed to Catholics. Uh, and that didn't work in the early 90s. So Pizar is a captive of the fictions of his own mind. He has been lying for so long, the, the American narrative is nothing but one lie, lie piled upon another lie. He doesn't know when he's not telling the truth because he's no, he doesn't understand what the truth is. And if he does understand it, he, he doesn't want to deal with it. This is the predicament that we're in, okay? So what what's supposed to be an expression of American solidarity with Israel turned into a pathetic, emotionally overwrought conversation between two Jews, neither of whom represented the interest of their respective countries. Both of these Jews were determined to use the human suffering that the U.S. unleashed as the aggressor in the Ukraine, and which Israel has been unleashing on Palestinians for 75 years to justify their tenuous hold on power. This is true every bit as much of Benjamin Netanyahu, who was basically on his way out. He was being tried for corruption, uh, and his response was to pack the uh, Israeli Supreme Court by having the uh, government approve it. 
uh, and the only thing that saved him was the fact that uh, Hamas decided to break out of the, uh, the open-air prison camp known as the Gaza Strip. At this point, uh, everyone jumped in, okay? Everyone jumped in. One of the most ferocious propaganda barrages I have seen in recent times was this uh, response to the uh, war in Gaza, okay? Uh You'll mention, if you remember cl closely, uh, what Blinken said. He said that they're uh, killing babies. That was an oblique reference to a story that got floated uh, right around the time uh, that the, uh, about the second day in. The story was basically that uh, the Hamas had broken into this kibbutz and they slaughtered, they decapitated, decapitated. 22 Israeli babies. And then the next time it comes out, it's 40 Israeli babies. Now, I obviously was not in that kibbutz, okay? But I was around during the Iraq war and suddenly I started to remember that this is not a new story. We've been down this road before. In the early days of uh, George H.W. Bush's invasion of uh, Iraq, we had a story of this woman from Kuwait who said that the Iraqi soldiers came into the, the uh, hospital and took babies, little babies, out of their incubators and threw them on the floor. Now, this is awful. How come? No wonder. God bless the American troops for attacking Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein was probably in that hospital room himself throwing babies on the floor. Well, it turns out that this was all made up. Not made up. That lady uh, was an actress, and the script had been written by a public relations firm known as Hill and Knowlton. Uh, all of this came out later, after the war was a fait accompli. It was fabricated simply to generate hatred on the part of the American people so that the American people would approve one more war uh, for Israel in the Middle East. If people, people with longer memories or people who have done research might remember that this story was launched by the British uh, during World War I. Those German soldiers, which they referred to as Huns, as soon as they marched into Belgium, they'd pick up that baby and then catch it on the tip of a bayonet. This was awful. Can you imagine? No wonder we're at war with these people. I hope they, uh, and so on and so forth. This, this show, that we have lost any contact with reality here. This is all theater. It's all fiction. But it's once the stories like this get launched, uh, they take on a life of their own. So... Uh, none other than Ben Shapiro freaks out at around the same time, a little bit before uh, uh, Blinken. He calls uh, in his monologue or diatribe or rant, whatever you want to call it, Ben Shapiro began by calling for the extermination, quote, of some of the most demonic, evil pieces of human excrement ever to walk the planet. He began, and then he said, this was the worst day for Jews since, guess what? The Holocaust. The Holocaust is brought in once again to justify Israeli barbarism in the bombing attack on 
Gaza, which was going on at the very moment, actually really killing babies. You want to know where the babies were being killed? Well, look at Gaza. But, oh, no, no, we have to distract everyone's attention from the actual fact that babies actually are dying and that 50% of the population in this overpopulated, the most densely populated piece on earth is under 15. And the only, they all live in high rise buildings, which are being bombed by the Israeli air force. So to distract us from that, we have to say, oh, Hamas just decapitated babies. And this is the worst day for Jews since the Holocaust. This is what they do. He says, uh, well, wait a minute. Who, who are we talking about? What do the Israelis do? Do the Hamas have T-shirts that have picture of a pregnant Palestinian woman in a gun site with two for one underneath it? Well, the IDF does, and they brag about how when there was when there was the march to the wall, uh, the snipers uh, took a special delight in murdering pregnant Palestinian women. That's a fact. I didn't, I didn't hear that mentioned at all. Okay. Now, if Shapiro had waited uh, a few hours, he would have read the story that uh, basically uh, Nicole Zedek, this is Nicole Zedek who reported this 40 decapitated babies. Uh, it was happening uh, right after he gave his talk uh, but if he stood on the, if he watched a little bit further, as a matter of fact, if Blinken uh, were watching CNN at the time he was giving his speech, he would have uh, read an article in CNN, uh, which whose headline was "Israeli officials say that government cannot confirm that babies were beheaded in Hamas attack." Well, wait a minute. The, that, that story was used to justify the bombing of innocent women and children in Gaza. Oh, and by the way, now we know it, was, it never happened. Now, what, what happened here? Since last week, if you remember the show we did last week, it was about Alan Soral, who's going to go to jail in Switzerland because he called a journalist a fat lesbian. Well, that was, I'm sure that hurt that lady's feelings, even if she was fat and everybody knows she was a lesbian. She proclaimed herself a lesbian. So then we are then supposed to, this is supposed to generate sympathy on our part to ban people for, for hate speech. This is hate speech. It's awful to call that lady fat. That's an awful thing to do. One week later, uh, one of the main enforcers of this, by the way, is uh, YouTube. One week later, we have videos on YouTube. People uh, chanting, kill all Palestinians, kill all of them. Wipe the Palestinians off the fucking map. One, one uh, Jew after another gets to go on YouTube and engage in what I, I mean, personally, it sounds like hate speech to me. If this isn't hate speech, what is it? And nobody, no, 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 no enforcement here whatsoever. This is the beginning. You, st you start to see the double standard here. That is basically the, the, the operating system of this dying American empire whose capital is in Tel Aviv.
or Jerusalem. So, just to make sure that uh, I'm not just dumping on Ben Shapiro here, we had an article uh, by a rabbi. Okay, Rabbi Dove Fisher wrote an article in the American Spectator uh, called What Israel Needs to Do Now. Okay, this is what he said. Uh, as the German citizens of Dresden freely voted to make Hitler their democratically elected leader, so have the Arab Muslim populace of Gaza chosen to be governed by a party with a singular focused platform and pledge to wipe Israel and Zionism off the face of the earth. Well, okay, we're playing the Holocaust card again. Uh, that's, uh, you have to do that, okay, because that is the basis for every single argument that comes out of these people's mouths, okay? So then uh, Fisher concludes that it is imperative to exterminate Hamas. Now, wait a minute. This is pure hypocrisy on his part. Hamas is not going to be exterminated. I guarantee you that, okay? No bomb is going to affect Hamas because they're all dug into tunnels underneath the Gaza Strip and they're waiting for their moment, which may come soon. Okay, so when you allow, when you condone, when you promote the bombing, of Gaza, you are promoting a war crime because that is all civilians. There are no military bases there. They are attacking high-rise buildings in the most densely populated area on the earth, knowing full well that they are going to be killing innocent women and children. That's their policy. And that's what Dove Fisher, rather rabbi, this is a rabbi, this is a man of God, okay? He says, no civilian's presence can justify refraining from exterminating every terror site in Gaza. Moreover, Hamas controls Gaza because the population of Gaza have voted for them repeatedly. They are no more innocent than the German voters in Dresden who elected Hitler. Got that? Is this guy a moral theologian? This, this is absolutely barbaric. This is absolutely demonic. In other words, those 300,000 innocent women and children and men who were refugees who flooded into Dresden because of the advances of the, of the Soviet army to escape the Soviet army. They came from places like Ostpreußen. Okay, they came from areas that were occupied by Poland. Okay, the Sudetenland or Ober, Ober, uh, Upper Silesia. These people could not have voted for Hitler. And even if they had, they didn't deserve to die in the firebombing of Dresden. These people, these people, the rabbi here has no understanding of the way of, of principles of civilized principles like the way to conduct a just war, which means you under no circumstances can you target a civilian population. The attack on Gaza is nothing but an attack on the civilian population because there are no military installations in Gaza who are above ground. 
And yet we're being stampeded into supporting this thing. This is not unusual. This is not the exception. This is the rule. Former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett also played the Holocaust card to justify Israeli war crimes. When asked about people on hospital life support and babies in incubators, Bennett replied, are you seriously asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's wrong with you? We're fighting Nazis. He doesn't make a, these people are guilty because they, some, some people voted for Hamas. Are, are you sure that those people that you just incinerated all voted for Hamas? Maybe they voted for the other political party that was running against Hamas. How do you know? How do you know this? Well, we don't know this, okay? And what we're doing here is using this. Here is this rabbi who is now twisting scripture, another sin he's committing, twisting scripture to justify genocide. Rabbi Fisher tells us that he comes to these conclusions because he puts faith, his faith primarily in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who guided both Truman and Stalin to recognize Israel in 1948. God, in other words, and not Jewish terrorists like Menachem Begin and Isaac Shamir and other members of the Stern Gang is responsible for the creation of the state of Israel. To believe this blasphemy is one thing. To impose the fanatical genocidal religion which he shares with Ben Shapiro on the rest is something else. To make that religion the basis of American foreign policy is something else again. Something no American should condone. Where are the Americans? Where are the Americans in this story? We've got the United States of America being hijacked by a group of Jews who are once again using the power, the military might of the United States of America to fight Israel's enemies and thereby antagonizing the entire world against Americans who have no say whatsoever in what their government is doing. This is not going to continue. And I say this because there is, as Karl Marx would say, a specter haunting Israel. Former Premier Ehud Barak one year ago expressed concern about Israel's survival, saying the Zionist entity will cease to exist before the 80th anniversary of its 1948 establishment. In an interview with the Hebrew language newspaper Barak said, throughout the Jewish history, the Jews did not rule for more than 80 years, except in the two kingdoms of David and the Hasmonean dynasty. And in both periods, their disintegration began in the eighth decade. This is the specter that's haunting Israel right now. They are becoming desperate. They have this guilt because of the way they're acting. They have no way of expiating this guilt. They don't have a temple. And so there's this fanatical attempt to return to the temple because that's the only thing that's going to expiate guilt, and that was the proximate cause of this uprising. 
800 or so rabbis, Jewish settlers showed up the Al-Aqsa Mosque and basically tried to drive the Muslims out of one of the, the third holiest place in Islam on the face of the earth and set off this uprising because for one simple reason, their guilt has become intolerable. You can't act this way without incurring guilt. God did not create us that way. God create, uh, created us, when God created us, the moral law was written on our hearts. We don't learn it, it's there because we are rational creatures and morality is practical reason. You cannot get away from the, from the, act, the fact of human guilt. And the only way, the, the way the Israelis, the, Israelis, the way the Jews have done this for the past 2,000 years is constantly projecting their guilt onto the victim, onto other people. And the classic instance is what is happening in Gaza. Hamas decapitated 40 Jewish babies. Oh, wait a minute. They, even the IDF is saying that didn't happen. What do they mean when they say that? What they mean to say is, Israel is killing Palestinian babies indiscriminately with their bombing campaign on Gaza. That's what they're really trying to say. And now we have reached a crucial phase where it's put up or shut up for the IDF. Okay, no war has ever been won by air power alone. Classic example, Vietnam, Korea, all of North Korea was leveled during the Korean War. Not one building was left standing, and they fought to a standoff to the point where they're now sending 10 million artillery shells to Russia so that they can use them in the Ukraine. They went underground, and that's what Hamas has done. They're underground in Gaza. They built tunnels. And if the Israelis want to conquer this place, as opposed to simply engaging in the ethnic cleansing and genocide of the of the Palestinian people, they're gonna to have to go into those tunnels. And I'm telling you right now, the Israelis, the, the, these, these brave IDF soldiers who are good at shooting children when they throw stones at them, they are not gonna go into those tunnels. Why did I say that? Because they had their chance in 2005 when the IDF went into Lebanon and they were stopped 500 meters into Lebanon. The undefeated Israeli army, 500 meters into Lebanon. They were stopped by 1,500 Hezbollah fighters who had rockets who disabled their tanks. They wouldn't go into those tunnels. When Hamas goes into the tunnel, the Israelis do not follow them because no Israeli is willing to die for Israel. They're willing to kill for Israel, but we've reached a point where they're not willing to die for Israel. And my uh, authority for that is Major General Brick, retired Major General, who said this had this to say about the state of the IDF. A new war will take us back to long years gone. The difficulties that we went through throughout previous wars will be nothing in comparison with the fallout from the future confrontation. He said this one year ago. 
Brick predicted accurately that thousands of missiles and rockets would be unleashed daily into the Israeli-occupied territories in the event of a new war, and high numbers of unmanned aerial vehicles would fly overhead, destroying everything. Given the current situation, there is no going back in the next war, and we must do everything we can to save ourselves. The next war would cause a damning catastrophe and would largely destroy Israel's infrastructure. Brick then made a suggestion, why shouldn't we set up a research committee before such a war to rectify the situation and prevent a catastrophe from which it is impossible to escape? The main cause of his unhappiness is the divided state of Israel. The only thing that unifies Israel right now under Netanyahu and his racist government is an external threat which leads some people to believe that Netanyahu knew in advance about this and let it happen simply to consolidate his hold on power. As the dust settles over Gaza, the bloodthirsty Israelis, haunted by the fear that their kingdom is doomed no matter how many weapons they have, pause for a moment as they peer into the abyss which they have created for themselves by ignoring God's law and pissing away the respect and pity the world granted them after World War II. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. All right, everybody. Hello once again. This is the voice of Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Um, quick rules. We're trying to be quick because uh, we only got about a half hour. So um, uh, let's see. Try to keep questions in subject. Try to keep one question at a time. Be respectful of time. Don't forget to mute yourself. All the questions can be asked on Telegram. Uh, link in all descriptions for various platforms. And after we do call-ins, we're going to do texts, questions, and the ch various chats. And I think that's about it. All right, let's get to it. Who do we got here first? I think it's on a jet. I'm going to unmute you. One second. On a jet, are you there? Don't forget to unmute yourself, on a jet. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Thank you, Dr. Jones. It's nice to speak with you again. Um, I completely agree with you that I 100% believe that uh, Netanyahu and his government knew about this in advance. The, um, when the Jews went to that Al-Aska Mosque um, on the fifth day of their holiday, Sukkot, um, they were actually breaking Jewish law. Those, um, those Jews that were there, they not only were they kicking out Palestinians, they were also performing Talmudic rituals, um, which tells me that um, it, to, for them to go into somewhere where they're, it, it's against the law for them to enter because of it, it, it's, a, it's a, a holy site. So they're breaking, the Jews are basically breaking Jewish law to enter this place to perform Talmudic rituals. And then now we have this type of response. Um, we, we see this type of response from, you know, from Arabs. Uh, it, it, you know, it just seems too much uh, on the nose for it to just simply be an accident. I, I think this was definitely allowed and this is something that, uh, Something bigger is brewing. Yeah, I think it could be the biggest thing in the world. It could be Armageddon. This, let's clarify this. Uh, this this, this uh, uh, mosque, Al-Aqsa Mosque, is built on the, the foundation of the temple. 
This is the temple, the temple mount. Yes. This, this is the temple that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. This is the temple that allowed uh, the performance of the, the fulfillment of the Mosaic Covenant, uh, which made it a kind of slaughterhouse where they just killed animals day and night in order to expiate their sins. This means that Jews have no way to expiate their sins. Well, no one can go uh, uh, for 2,000 years without expiating sins. And, and it seems that the farther they got away from it, the more heinous their sins have become. If you ever need an example of Jewish sin, look at what they're doing to Gaza right now. Is it murder? I think Moses had something to say about murder of innocent women and children. Okay? This is an intolerable situation. If the Jews can rebuild their temple. They can finally expiate sins, but this will also prove that Jesus Christ was a liar, that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, that this whole Christian thing is just a, a, a fairy tale. Now, why do I say that? Because uh, they tried this once. Uh, when Julian the Apostate was the Roman Empire, there's a chapter on this in the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, which I recommend if you haven't read it, and basically, at this point, uh, the Jews, everyone agreed at this point in the Roman Empire. The, the Christians, the heretics, the Arians, and the Jews, they all agreed that if the Jews rebuilt the temple, that it was proof that Christianity was a hoax. And so what happened? Uh, uh, Julian the Apostate calls in Olypius, the great engineer from England, they, they announce they're going to rebuild the temple. The Jewish ladies bring their gold and dump it in the, in the, uh, to the rabbis, and they carry off the rubble in their, in their aprons. And finally, the foundation is clear, and Olypius starts to lower the cornerstone, the, the, uh, the stone there. And as soon as it touches the foundation, fire erupts from the earth and kills all the Jews. Now, uh, keep this in mind. The Israelis should keep this in mind because at that point it was clear to everyone that what God once destroyed, no man can rebuild. And so you've got this, this compulsion, this guilt-driven behavior on the part of the Israelis is driving them to their own destruction. And they don't even see what's happening because Jews are blind. That's why synagogue has a blindfold. Thank you. I, perhaps it's, it's intentional, though, um, possibly for the New Jerusalem project in Ukraine, um, you know, make Israel as inhabitable and uh, inhospitable for Jews um, so they can start their immigration process. Um, that's definitely one theory that's been circulating. Um, on another note, though, Dr. Jones, um, this is something uh, more of a local issue. Um, sorry to take up too much time, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, in uh, northern Indiana, um, Israeli businessmen have been buying up um, farmland, actually, uh, 25,000 acres um, in Stark County, uh, Indiana, and they're basically setting up solar farms. And also um, along I-69 in DeKalb County, um, thousands of acres of solar farms by these uh, Israeli businessmen, and it's odd seeing something like that because the same thing happened recently um well it broke in the news recently in california along where travis airport base is at in solano county 
um, this, uh, they, the new news media kept referring to this shadowy group and come to find out that it was a bunch of, uh, Jewish, um, uh, uh, crypto, you know, um, magnets, uh, part of the money laundering scheme. And they've been buying up all the farmland around a military base, uh, the, the air force base in Solano County, um, and thousands of acres. And it's just something that, um, I've been kind of uh, tracking. I think it's kind of alarming. Um, I, you know, as a side note from what's happening with, uh, I understand what you're talking about. This is old news. I know the guy who was the broker, the front man for these uh, interests in New York City and who was going around buying up farms for them. I know about this story. This is also now a global issue because BlackRock, which is a Jewish operation under Larry Fink, is doing the same thing with the Ukraine. This is partially a function of the fact that we have an inflated currency. We have certain people with so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They're trying to get out of dollars in an inflated period. And the only thing that you need you need to get out of dollars is concrete assets and real estate is one of the best investments. So yes, I agree. I understand what you're talking about. Thank you. All right, moving on here. Uh, let's try to be quick because uh, we have limited time. Let's go to Chad. Go ahead, Chad. And don't forget to unmute yourself. Hey, Dr. Jones, can you hear me? Yes, I can. It's such an honor to speak with you, sir. I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I'll make it really quick. You've like really just impacted my Catholic faith. So very much thank you for that. Um, I just had a quick question. I just joined right now, so I'm not sure if like, someone's already asked the question or not. But a lot of times when I... I'm talking to people who are very supportive of uh, Israel and the Israeli government. And, you know, people will now bring up or people will bring up that, like, they've attacked, you know, civilian, uh, like, locations. They've attacked children. A lot of the times their argument, like, like, to refute that is, well, those places that they've attacked, although they're civilian locations, they have, like, military weaponry in that. Is that, like, actually true? Or is that propaganda? Or, like, how... What would be like the proper way to like respond to that uh, to that argument? Look, Hamas is not stupid. They are underground. They're not going to put military stations above ground. They know they're vulnerable. So, uh, uh, the, if you're dealing with the most densely populated area on the planet, uh, dropping a bomb is going to kill civilians. There, there are no. I, I would go look. I've never been there. I don't know, but I would go. I would go out on a limb and say there are no military bases above ground. Hamas would be crazy to do that. They have tunnels. That's where they. That's how they. The they surprised the Israelis. This was all going on underground. It's not visible to their drones or anything else. So no. If any if anyone tells you that uh, the airstrikes are justified, they are not. That is a, it's all civilian infrastructure there. That's what, that's what they're doing. This is ethnic cleansing. This is genocide. This is not military tactic at all. And if you read what they're saying, they justify it as genocide. What, let's, Rabbi justified it as genocide. They're all guilty because uh, the, the, uh, they vote, someone voted for Hamas. The Germans, those poor women and children who died in the real Holocaust, which means being burnt whole in Dresden, that was all their fault. This is the typical projection of guilt onto the victim. The Jew cries out in pain when he strikes you. This is classic. Right. 
Yeah, because a lot of times I'll um I'll bring that argument up and they'll say like the for, they'll say well they use like human shields and you know, a lot of the people I bring it up are you know are ex military and they'll say well if they're human shields like and they're you know and they have a weapon on them they're an enemy combatant but at the same time I just feel like it it's a hard situation to be in especially someone who's like a like me as just a civilian like. I don't know where I would necessarily sign on that. They have gone. But, they have gone out of their way to say that civilians are not innocent. So, mm. so that where? Wait a minute. Get your story straight. Either they're using human shields, or innocent, uh, civilians are not innocent. They're contradicting themselves because they don't, they have no way of justifying their behavior. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so that's all I really want to ask, but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. God bless you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Chad. Let's go to GBoss88. Go ahead, GBoss. Hello, Dr. Jones. Long time no see. Uh, thank you very much for having the show. Um, I'm going to make this real quick, and I just want to ask a question on the future of the Palestinians that are living in the occupied zones in both Gaza and uh, the West Bank right now. Um, I want to ask, what what do you think that we as Christians should uh, strive for in uh, helping out the future of that land? Do you think, because I've seen some people like, think like maybe the area should be like, um, a, like it should be like a new uh, Christian kingdom or Jerusalem or something like that. I don't know. I don't really know um, where I would go. Your volume, your volume. If you're are you asking me what what the Christians should pray for here as a, as a solution? Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's the, the one. That's a good yeah. question. The answer is regime change. There, you cannot deal with people like Netanyahu and his cabinet. There are m many Israelis who disagree with him. The, the whole country is divided. You can just pray for regime change and some... And, and that there will be a group of Jews who come into power who have some inkling that there is a moral law out there and they have to follow it. Uh, there are people who are spokesmen, whether this corresponds to the entire, uh, uh, a big enough group, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I just see Jewish hysteria here uh, based on guilt over crimes they have committed, f rushing into some type of apocalyptic situation. Mm. That's one thing we need to be very, especially like the way that it's spilling out in like other parts of like the world. I think that's one thing that we really have to just look out for is how we have to like take, like really not be like easily manipulated by like emotions and like really use logic here. These, these, the, like, the, Jew, the Jews who control the Biden administration have turned the entire world against the United States. Well, thanks, fellas. Thanks. What a great job you're doing. This guy, Blinken, uh, I have to remind you, is supposed to be a diplomat. Does this sound like diplomacy to you, groveling with a fellow Jew, this emotive hugging of a fellow Jew and crying crocodile tears over the, the, the women and children you're slaughtering? No, this is yeah. these, these people should not be allowed to represent the United States of America. They do not represent America. They represent Jewish interest at the expense of America. This has got to stop. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That was that, that was a really good response. Uh, I just wanted your opinion on that. That's all. Thank, thank you. you, though. Thank you.
Okay, moving on here. Let's go to uh, Patrick C. Uh, go ahead, Patrick C. All right, thank you. I want to ask you, Dr. Jones, have you, are you aware that Anthony Blinken wrote a book in 1986 on the Trans-Siberian Pipeline? No, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, you need to get this book and read it. That's where I found out about Samuel Pissar being his, his uncle, or his uh, stepfather, excuse me. And he was, Samuel Pissar was also Robert Maxwell's longtime lawyer and said to be the last person to call him while Maxwell was alive. Did you know that fact? Yeah, I did. I did know that fact. Yes, you did. Okay. Why? First of all, all right. first of all, why is Anthony Blinking mentioning Samuel Pizar in a book about the Trans-Siberian it's pipeline? It's an acknowledgement. He cannot open his mouth without mentioning that he had relatives who died in the Holocaust. Right now, regarding this book, the Trans-Siberian pipeline in 1982, in October, Halloween. Um, 31st, the largest non-nuclear explosion on Earth ever to occur happened on the pipeline. And he goes into the motives that the Americans would have had to have done it. And he also says that they should do it again in this book. Well, they did do it again, didn't they? Except it was Nord Stream they this did. time. Yeah. They did. This was it. Yeah. And he, he wrote this, this in 86. People like this should not be representing America. When are we going to learn this lesson? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. All right, um, uh, guys in chat, start asking your questions now. I'm going to ask uh, one more person um, a question. Let's see. Let's go to Andrew Horval. All right, Andrew, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Jones, I guess a congrats is, is in order on your latest anti-Semite defamation league endorsement. Uh, you, you had mentioned propaganda barrages and antichrist theater. I just recently found a 200 citation PDF that cites 200 articles from 1900 to 1945, where the Jews invoked the number 6 million. Well, perhaps this 40 is another number. Uh, with the decapitated Jewish babies, uh, Lucas Gage said, you still haven't shown us any videos. Liberty Bell uh, replied to him, says, this is Holocaust denier crap. I am in shock people are debating this scary times. And so not only... <laughs> <laughs> so now the, 20 ba the 40 decapitated babies is Holocaust denial. This is spreading forever. It's, this is the whole point of this term Holocaust denial is to shut down any type of informed discourse about what's going on. That is the purpose. So I'm not surprised. Of course it's going to be Holocaust denial. To dis disagree with Jews is Holocaust denial. Well, maybe maybe that was the case for uh, Representative George Santos. He was screeching like a lady giving birth in the Capitol, saying, the fact that we have terrorist sympathizers in this building, what has happened in Israel is abhorrent. And all I know is if that man is not Jewish, his Antichrist theater is spot on. And then you got John Kirby on CNN crying the fakest cry that I've ever I've ever seen, and and it's this poor theater that's supposed to inspire me to stand with Israel, or I stand with terrorists, as the IDF posts on next. 
no anti-Christ Israel. I stand with Christ. And all of these Ziocon sellouts can keep their 30 pieces of silver and poor anti-Christ theater. Amen, brother. Thank you, sir. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. You too. All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Let's go to the chat here. Um, I'll start with Cozy. Um, what do we got here? Uh, uh, okay, Cozy. Let's see. Uh, question. Uh, where will the one million Palestinians in Gaza be going? Um, obliteration or destroying a European civilization? Let, let, me, let me bring this... Uh uh, put a historical context in here. Uh, the so-called Armenian genocide, which is a hotly contested topic between Armenia and Turkey, took place be as a an action, uh, I think we all agree on it, that was an action of ethnic cleansing. The, the, uh, the Armenians were living in western no, Eastern Turkey at the time when Turkey's at war with Russia. They were supporting the Russians uh, at, at a time when the Turkey felt they were being stabbed in the back by an internal fifth column. And so they just said, we're going to move the Armenians away from the border. Well, that there's not a McDonald's at every corner when you're walking through the east, Eastern Turkey heading toward the deserts of, of Iraq or whatever it was called at that point. That alone guaranteed the death of thousands of people. The same thing will happen if the, you send these people out, if you allow them to leave uh, uh, through the, uh, the southern gate into, into Egypt. These people will die simply because they're being exposed to the elements and there's no way to take care of a million people. So this is preposterous. It's, it's, it's criminal. To, to, that these people, uh, the Israelis, can tell a million, 1.1 million people to move within 24 hours or will kill you? Well, that means they're going to kill them or they will try to kill them. And they will feel justified because, hey, we let them uh, uh, escape if they wanted to. And so we had to kill them because they couldn't, they didn't escape, which meant they couldn't escape. So this is just pure hypocrisy. And the world needs to hold Israel accountable for these war crimes. It's that simple. This is not civilized behavior. The world cannot tolerate this behavior. A uh, question from Rumble. Um, Danville, let's see. Uh, no, it was. Uh, uh, Victory87 asks, Dr. Jones, uh, in your opinion, what should the Catholic response be to the conflict in the Holy Land? Well, the... the the, the response has always been to call for peace. The response has always been uh, to try and work out some type of diplomatic solution. And so the Vatican was pressured basically into signing with what is basically a concordat with the state of Israel, which would guarantee the protection of the holy sites of Christianity. And after they signed it, Israel never followed up on it. They just ignored it. Uh, uh, and now uh, you're seeing videos of, you know, Jews spitting on Christians and so on and so forth. The question is, is it possible to have an agreement with a group of criminals? This is a criminal regime. There's no question about it. Uh, is it possible to conclude a, a, a legal agreement with criminals? I don't think so. And so I think that it's going to have to uh, call for a change in strategy. Now, what that is, 
is something that I could come up with something, but who cares? I'm not a diplomat. I'm not at the Vatican. But it's something that at least they have to take into account, all these broken promises after uh, the agreements that they also already reached. One of, the, one of the conclusions I think that we'd have to come through is that the whole idea of Catholic-Jewish dialogue has been a colossal failure. The Jews have not budged one inch away from their uh, genocidal, homicidal behavior and the justification of the rationalization of this. And so why, how is it possible to deal, how, to talk, to have dialogue with people like this? It failed for 50 years. It's not going to succeed after this point. So break off the dialogue. Say enough is enough and go back to the traditional teaching, which is basically the Jews are the people that killed Christ and they are enemies of the entire human race. Who said that? I asked a Notre Dame graduate student in theology, and she said, Adolf Hitler, without missing a beat. No, it was St. Paul. It's 1 Thessalonians 2. We have to go back to the Catholic realism that's implicit, that is rooted in the scriptures, and not living in castles in the air fantasies. From uh, Walkart on Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, do you think Iran could be roped into this current situation? Iran is already supporting Hezbollah. Uh, roped into, you mean by uh, Hezbollah? Hezbollah is already working with Iran. The, one of the ironies of the Iraq war was that it created the Shia crescent. Saddam Hussein was a bulwark against Iranian expansion. When the United States took out Saddam Hussein, they opened the way for Iranian influence to move into Iraq, from Iraq into Lebanon with Hezbollah, and then from Hezbollah into Gaza, where they have been supplying uh, the Hamas with weapons. The Hamas has a right to defend itself. The, the Palestinians have a right to defend themselves. Uh, the problem is they don't, they don't have adequate weaponry to defend themselves. These missiles are not guided missiles. They just fly, they land, they're indiscriminate. And so they're naturally going to lead to war crimes the same way that the Israelis are leading to war crimes. You can't fire uh, missiles into an apartment building and kill civilians and then justify it because you're an oppressed Palestinian any more than you can justify it because you're an oppressed Israeli. You can't do that. What they should... Let's be serious here. If we're serious about helping Hamas, if we're serious about helping the Palestinian people, they should have missiles that will take down F-16s. That's defense. That, they are legitimate military targets. That would prevent the indiscriminate bombing. So get those weapons in there and stop playing around with these stupid, you know, Katusha, World War II, you know, Stalin organ type things. That's not the solution. Okay, on uh, Odyssey, uh, Lone Ranger is asking, uh, Dr. Jones, can you talk more about the infamous Balfour Agreement, please? Well, it was basically the, the, the Jews calling in their chips for supporting the Brit British during World War I. And uh, it said that the, the, they said that the, the, Her Majesty decided that the Jews had a right to settle in the land known as Palestine. It's that I mean that that's what it is basically, and that set the 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 wheels in motion that eventually ended up in the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people after World War II, and the the thing that the main thing that justified that was the Holocaust. 
read my book, The Holocaust Narrative, that whole story on uh, uh, Nachum, uh, the relationship between the Holocaust and the uh, Israeli terrorists who were doing the ethnic cleansing of uh, villages like Deir Yassin. It's all described in detail in the Holocaust narrative. Uh, from Top G on Cozy, uh, why is Jordan Peterson so unhinged on Twitter? Uh, I think he, I think he thought that he could sign on with to the Daily Wire, without anyone understanding that he was now putting himself under Jewish influence. And now there are people who are writing. Uh, you know, it's kind of crude, but one guy is referring to him as Juden Peterstein. You know, and he, you can tell he's upset. It's getting under his skin. But this was supposed. What what happened here? Ben Shapiro blew up his own operation. Ben Shapiro entered this uh, uh, pretending to be a conservative. Nobody thinks he's a conservative anymore. He's a Jew. Nick Fuentes just pointed this out in the video where he analyzed this, this type of rant. He blew his cover because he got upset about this thing. It was like, you know, the, the, the lady in the Aesop's fable who was a cat, and, but she looked like a beautiful lady. And then she's in bed, but suddenly a mouse runs across the floor and... She jumps up and chases the mouse. Nature will out. And that's what happens when you're a Jew pretending to be an American. You're not an American. You represent Jewish interests. So he blew up this, this facade of conservatism and is nothing but a flaming Zionist. And part of the collateral damage is Jordan Peterson, who thought he could go on the Daily Wire and pretend to be just like, well, a conservative kind of pundit. Isn't that what he was trying to set him up to be? And now he's perceived as a shill for the, for the Israeli terror regime. So the first thing he tweets when the war breaks out is to Benjamin Netanyahu, give him hell. I think he will live to regret that. Um, from Sher Wombat on Cozy, uh, isn't Hamas an instrument made by the U.S.? Is this, is this true, Dr. Jones? I think that they were created by the Israelis, but, you know, so what? They, they took on, it's like any irregular warfare operation. It takes on a life of its own. Uh, so whether they were or they weren't, I don't, I, they aren't now. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, even if Netanyahu exploits it politically by, you know, uh, declaring war, they, uh, I, I think this was a genuine uprising because the, 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 the anger, the rage among Palestinian people for being so abominably treated for so many years, 75 years now, is real. That's not a fiction. That, no one's making that up. And that's the, basically the, the cause, the, the wave that propelled Hamas into power in, in Gaza. Um, from Blaise Pascal, 74, Hamas has a right to defend itself but not deliberately kill civilians. Does EMJ agree? Yes. I just said that. Okay. Give, please give Hamas missiles that will take down F-16s. Do not give them any more missiles that they will fire into apartment buildings. That's a war crime. They should not be. They should not do that. It only poisons public opinion against them. Get the real stuff there. They have a right to shoot down an F-16 that's going to bomb an apartment building full of women and children. So get those missiles there. Forget about these other ones. Um, from Asher Wiseman, uh, 
Doesn't Israel have to reach rock bottom before it can contemplate a, quote, regime change? <laughs> what does that mean? What is rock bottom? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I think that they, I tried to explain here by quoting Ehud Barak that they, they are, there is something deeply troubling the, the Jewish soul right now. This, this idea of doom hanging over them because no Jewish kingdom ever lasted more than 80 years. This is on their mind, you know, and that's a function, I think, of their guilt. And, and uh, is there rock bottom with guilt? Scott Ritter just said the only solution is to basically uh, a military defeat for, for Israel. Uh, is that rock bottom? This, this is, I don't, I don't, it, it's a term that's hard, it's hard to define, and so therefore it's hard to speculate about it. Um, let's see. Uh, the woke art had a follow-up question. Uh, I, I, I guess he's just asking it. Different. If, um, is there a possibility of direct conflict between Israel and Iran? Yes, of course there is. Now, Israel does not want to do that. The Israel has been Netanyahu is famous. He spent 25 years trying to drag, have America fight Iran for them. This was the whole legacy of neo, the neocon takeover of American foreign policy that took place under George Bush uh, the II, the, the younger, George W. Bush. Okay, we're going, to, we're going to fight Israel's wars for them. Well, this is great. The Jews love this. You know, they give, we give the Jews money, and then we end up fighting their wars for them, which is what happened in Iraq. And now no one in his right mind thinks that America is in any position whatsoever to attack Iran. That is completely out of the question. There is speculation now that the, uh, the ground incursion into Gaza on the part of the Israelis is being delayed because they don't have any ammunition. Oh, wait a minute. That was the other Jewish war. The other Jew got all the ammunition. Zelensky in his war. And now there's no, no uh, uh, artillery shells left to uh, help the Israelis exterminate the Palestinians. This is the, 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 the cunning of reason here. Okay, so I don't, I, I, if, if they don't have the artillery shells to allow, help uh, the IDF enter Gaza, they certainly are not in a position to attack Iran. They would never been in a position to attack Iran. So that's, that's off the table. That's not going to happen. Period. Not going to happen. Uh, it's uh, 6.06. You want to keep going, Doc? Or? Let's have two more questions. Okay. Um, let's see where there's a good one here. Uh, from Nationalism TV, uh, should Russia start sending weapons to Hamas? I think they already have. Yeah. Uh, and not Hamas. I'm sorry, Hezbollah. The, that incident I mentioned went in 2005, it is my understanding from conversations in Iran that Hezbollah had Russian missiles, Russian anti-tank missiles, and that's what stopped the Israelis. So I think that uh, the, uh, the Russians were shocked to learn that there were Mossad agents training the Ukrainians. This was a Jewish war. This is a Jewish war. So you had Jewish solidarity as long as it lasted. And now they're starting to realize that uh, Israel is the enemy. Now, he, Putin was reluctant to do this because I, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think most Israelis are Russians. Uh, are certainly a significant percentage of the Israelis are Russians, and he felt that he had some type of responsibility to them. But Israel's behavior in the Ukraine, I think, has disabused him of that notion. So they, they may be going forward.
And then last question here from Asher Wiseman one. Um, isn't the rebuke of Masonic Israel regime a good thing? I basically think he's asking like, shouldn't essentially shouldn't we be siding with Hamas on this in this in this conflict? Israel is the aggressor. There is no question. Not only are they the aggressor in the Middle East, they are an aggressor that knows no uh, moral limitation on war. They don't understand it. They're completely incapable of understanding the moral law because the moral law is logos. It's practical reason. And they have been in rebellion against logos for 2,000 years now. Read the Jewish revolutionary spirit for the full story there. All right, there you guys have it. Once again, this is EMJ Live. We're here every Friday at 5. Um, uh, if you're not already subscribed to Culture Wars, uh, go to culturewars.com for that. All of Dr. Jones' books are in fidelitypress.org. Uh, Holocaust Narrative, it is out, perfectly well-timed. If you want to understand what's going on globally more than anyone else, buy the Holocaust Narrative, fidelitypress.org. Obviously, subscribe to everything, Cozy Telegram, BitChute, Gab, what have you. Um, those are my announcements. Dr. Jones, final words. Yes, thank you for, thank you for attending. Uh, this is true. This is true. Blinken is proving me right every time he opens his mouth. He can't open his mouth without saying the word Holocaust. Everything depends on this founding myth of the American empire and the Israeli state. It's the Jewish religion. Uh, uh, and if you want to understand how they have their power, I, I heartily recommend that you read the Holocaust narrative. Thank you for listening. See you all next week. God bless.